Welcome to Journey Medicine. I'm your host, Nathan Barreth, a biomedical sciences student at the University of Calgary. Today, my guest is Shub Patel. Shub is a Shulakutur scholar, a former biomedical science student at the University of Calgary, and is currently completing his first year of medical school at the University of Toronto. In this episode, we discuss Shub's experiences with the Bachelor of Health Sciences program, conducting research, and personal experiences, which collectively have fueled his passion for medicine. Furthermore, Shub touches on the specific strategies and approaches he employed for taking the MCAT, writing his application essays, as well as medical school interviews. I hope by the end of this episode, you have learned specific resources and tools that can be useful throughout the application process to medical schools and are able to utilize these resources to their utmost extent. And now for my conversation with Shub Patel. Shub, welcome. It's good to have you on, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for reaching out about this. And I'm yeah, super excited to film today. I feel like this has been an interview that's been in the making for quite some time. And <laughs> I feel like whenever I tell uh, people from Calgary that I'm from Grand Prairie, they say, oh, you must know Shub. So, oh, that? <laughs> yeah, it um, seems that I've made a presence in Calgary. Uh, yeah, so for listeners, I, I was at the UFC for the last uh, three years in the biomedical sciences program, and uh, Nathan is also in that program now. So uh, super excited for you. You're absolutely going to love it. And uh, I think the reason why a lot of people might know me is uh, because I used to do a lot of filming um in terms of like YouTube and content creation. So yeah, I don't, they probably might've seen my videos or something. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool to see the impact you've had here. Um, um but hope it's positive. Positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Sorry. I should, I should clarify. It's a good, um, but for those of you who don't know you just, can you tell the listeners a bit about yourself? Like who is Shu Patel? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Uh, but I, I can try to answer that. I'm a first-year medical student at the University of Toronto, and uh, I guess that's what I do for uh, education right now. Uh, but I used to and kind of still work as a research associate at the Living Cardiovascular Institute, and that's actually in Calgary. So I'm working on wrapping up some projects there right now and then still continuing on some here in um, Toronto. Uh, but as a, a researcher there, I used to conduct research that focused on uh, the prevention and treatment of various heart diseases, and um, that is one of my passions, uh, chronic diseases per se. So um, that was uh, really fun getting to learn more about that and also getting to make an impact there. Uh, that's a bit about what I do. Uh, to touch on where I came from, I, I was born in India, uh, but my family and I moved to Canada when I was about two years old. And when we initially moved, we did struggle a lot trying to get settled in because of uh, financial burdens. My parents, like, re we really started from zero and we worked our ways up. Uh, there were also cultural barriers um, that we faced uh, with Canada and you being so um, dissimilar at that time. And then also some health issues that I was facing at that time. But it was really because we had an immense support from the community around us that's uh, brought me and my family to where we are today uh, that has really impacted my life today. And so for that reason, with everything that I do, I always ask myself, how can I make it just a bit easier for others to reach where I am today as well? And so some of the ways I'm trying to do this is through the different initiatives that I'm a part of. And I'm yeah, happy to discuss those more uh, later in the interview, but they may range from uh, simply volunteering to uh, starting my own nonprofit, uh, uh, 
uh, etc. And so, yeah, I can delve into those further. Uh, but outside of that volunteer work, um, I guess some hobbies that may uh, showcase who I am on a more personal level uh, include uh, sporting. I, I love running and playing basketball. I would say that's my go-to sport. Um, I actually ran a marathon a few years ago and I've wanted to run one again. So uh, maybe that's in the making sometime soon. And then as I previously mentioned, I also love watching and creating content. I also have my own uh, YouTube and podcast. And so, um, yeah, follow, follow that. <laughs> there you go. You can get a plug-in if you like. Um, plug-in, yeah. <laughs> and, and something I was going to mention is that a lot of the inspiration for this starting this show was actually drawn from uh, your podcast, STEM Fellows. Oh. Yeah, it was really cool to see someone I knew be able to launch a podcast. And that just made me realize like, wow, this is really possible uh, to do something yeah. like this. And I think you've, I think you've set that example for a lot of different initiatives you've been a part of. Um, and I think with those initiatives, you're someone who clearly has always had a passion for medicine. But what made you originally want to get into that? Yeah, again, that's that's uh, another loaded question, but again, I can try my best to answer that, Nathan. Uh, medicine, uh, I don't know. Sometimes you you fall under two categories. One is that like, ever since you were born, you know you've wanted to do medicine, mm -hmm. and then the other person is like, I don't know, like you went through like a significant life like impacting experience, and you're like, this is why I want to do medicine. Uh, but neither, it's never been like a black or white situation for me. Um, there, there's been several different um, lived experiences, uh, reasons that have impacted my decision into medicine and actually something that I didn't realize later on into my life. And so just to touch on some of that, uh, growing up, uh, there were health issues that were very common in my family uh, growing up. Uh, my grandparents, even my mom and dad. And then I also faced uh, several health issues. I used to be at the hospital quite often as a, a little kid. And then uh, a, a significant uh, health issue being actually I was diagnosed with a condition called uh, fibrous dysplasia um, that actually severely impacted how I ended up viewing health and um, illness uh, from a patient's per perspective, not from the outer, like seeing other people go through it, right? And so I actually got that sense when I used to be at the hospital during visits, um, the impact that somebody can have on your life, whether it's just them talking to you or uh, being there as like a guiding person, like telling you that things will be okay or you'll be taken care of, right? And so just going through that, it, it was very impactful. And when I ended up finding out that my prognosis was fairly decent, at least for now, I wanted to be able to give back and do the same for others and also learn more about medicine. And so that's why I really ended up joining the hospital uh, volunteering program at Alberta Health Services. And through that program, I was able to socialize with parent, uh, patients, um, organize different activities programs for them. And uh, really through that, I was also more able to find out that really talking to people, it can truly make their day. And at many instances, I was told by patients that, uh, like, you made my day. Like, thank you for coming here, spending time with me, uh, because, like, I, I don't have family who can do this uh, for me. Or, like, they, they were just distanced from their family, right? So mm -hmm. they're sitting there all, all day by themselves and worried about what may uh, 
be like occurring inside their body, etc. Right. And so I'm glad I was able to have that impact on them. And that's where I really uh, learned the importance of that clinical aspect of medicine, uh, which was that patient care. And so that's what sparked my initial interest in medicine and got me thinking about it. And then later on in um, grade eight, like right before high school, uh, actually before that, I, I actually wanted to be an architect for the longest time. Um, that's just because I had a passion for uh, math and art. I, I used to love sketching as a kid and then math just came naturally to me. And so it wasn't really until grade eight when we started learning more about human biology in the context of um, organ systems and diseases. And uh, our, our teacher, Mr. Sylvester, he was absolutely amazing. He actually wanted to be a physician. So he knew a lot about like organ systems, diseases and taught us taught it to us away in at like a high school university level and so as a grade eight like that was like it was like oh, oh, like what are you doing like this is so much right but it was actually very interesting and um like I, I it was just I was fully immersed in that and even like what made it so immersing is that don't you know what like most subjects you just think about them when you're in school and then when you go to uh, home you end up forgetting about them but like this was something where even when I was at home, I was still thinking about that. Um, and I actually ended up buying a book and reading more about like some of the things that we talked about in school. So um, that's really what I meant about how um, impactful that was. And so I, I kept that on the back of my mind. Uh, and then in high school, I found out about a, a research program that happened at the University of Alberta um, every year. And that was uh, where you got to spend six weeks conducting biomedical research uh, within a specific lab. And so I applied for that program. I was for very fortunate enough to be selected. And I spent some of learning about the intricacies of how uh, biochemistry impacts the treatment uh, as well as manage management of heart disease. And that heart disease is just because um, very common in my family. And so that's why I ended up uh, writing about that and ended up being selected in that lab. And so then after going through that, realizing the impact that uh, research innovation can have, that really uh, lit a spark inside me for research, uh, especially in the context of human diseases. And so that's pr the primary reason why I ended up applying for the uh, biochemistry program at UFC and spent my first year there. But then quickly I realized that the, the program didn't have as much of a research component or even it wasn't connected with um, the human side of things as much, like the medical sciences. And so uh, like that's where, where I learned that maybe that's more that was more of a passion to me. And so that's why I switched, ended up switching into biomedical sciences um, where I spent the last two years. And um, now that you're enrolled in, in it now, and this program had had more of a research component uh, tied in medical learning better and really ever since then uh, I haven't taken a look back I thoroughly enjoyed my time in that program and when I put all of those experiences together with my time at um, uni with biomed biomedical sciences my volunteering at the hospital uh, the personal connection I had with medicine is when I really realized that you know medicine it might be an ideal career for me and so yeah that, that's a long-winded answer of uh, why medicine well, it was a tough question, so you did a good job answering it. Um, thank you, thank and, you. <laughs> yeah, and I would, I, I say this all the time, like biomedical sciences is such an amazing program for anyone interested in, um, like you said, medical sciences, understanding human systems, and really being in a cohort where people feel the same way and have that same degree of passion. It's just such a, such a blessing to have classes with people who share 
uh, that's the same love and passion for these things that can be um, not as well, not as much appreciated in like a high school setting. Um, I completely agree. Like I, I would say I was one of the odd ones out, especially in grade eight when we were learning about that, uh, <laughs> especially when we had the pig dissection, like we were able to dissect a full on pig, right? And that was in grade eight, which I'm still yeah, like, that's I'm a, supposed oh. to do this until like uni, right? Uh, but like, I was the only like kid, we, we were assigned a group of like five people and I was the only one like getting my hands dirty with gloves on, looking like a surgeon. And everybody was like standing like five feet away and just looking at me. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I feel what you mean. That's amazing. Um, I just want to touch on your passion for research a little more. Is it the process of discovering? Is it um, like you, I know you've done a lot of work with uh, cardiovascular uh, diseases and systems. Is that yeah. more part of it? Like just your your passion for that? What really makes research pertain to you? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Nathan. Um, research, it's... Uh, what would it be? I, I think the main thing about research is how you're able to do something or uh, like research or like study something that nobody really knows about and come up with a tentative answer or a hypothesis in an uh, attempt to answer that. And with that answer, being able to translate it into something that's real world, and you're actually able to have an impact on somebody, whether that's uh, from more of like a basic science perspective, uh, which is studying the cell, seeing how proteins or sorry, DNA translates into mRNA into DNA, like studying that process versus the translational aspect, which is taking that basic science component and seeing how, how that may translate into uh, the context of human diseases or systems and coming up with some kind of treatment or et cetera to cure that or uh, manage, it, manage it somehow. And then also the clinical aspect, which is uh, studying how maybe those treatments or uh, condi conditions that people already have, how you might be able to change policies, systems, interventions, et cetera, right? So no matter what kind of research you go into, um, you're able to have a positive impact on somebody. Uh, and I just find that amazing. So like I've been in, uh, involved in research at all three of these levels, uh, more so the translational and uh, clinical side of things. Uh, but that's really what draws myself into research, how, you, how you're able to have an impact on not just a single person, but more on a, a wider population, global level. Um, I, I would say that's the biggest thing. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so you mentioned you're now in medical school. Congratulations, by the way. That's awesome. Thank you. No, it still, uh, still feels surreal. Yeah. Yeah, it's especially to get accepted a year early. That's that's a that's a great feat and uh, something to strive for for sure. But now that you're in medical school, how do you think it differs from life as an undergraduate? Like, what can you just give us a feel for how these two experiences can really differ? Um. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to compare. Uh, but medical school, I. There, there hasn't been like a single day where I've woken up and said that I uh, didn't want to go to class or the hospital or whatever I was doing. 
So that's definitely been like one of the biggest plus and just, you know, it reinforces that passion I had that if you are uh, interested or passionate about something, then you shouldn't feel like it's ever work or uh, feel like not doing it. Right. And so like, I'm, I'm really enjoying that aspect. And in terms of how it compares to undergrad, I don't know, at sometimes in undergrad where I maybe didn't enjoy the course like I had to take because it was mandatory or mm -hmm. it wasn't really full on related to what I wanted to do now or like in the future. Uh, some of those times I did have those moments like where, oh, do I have to really like, can't I sleep in a bit more? Like even when I've sleep deprived in med school, like I, I still don't, like I'm still able to get up and drive myself to get out of bed, right? Uh, hopefully that doesn't change in the future. Uh, it'll, it'll stay the same, but um I guess that's one one of the things that's different and that's just like no fault on undergrad. I think it's just because of where my interests lie and now I'm able to dedicate 100% of my time towards that. Um, some of the other places where med school and uh, undergrad might differ, uh, maybe I can touch on some of the more academic side of things. Uh, in, in med school, the first eight weeks, at least for U of T, I know it's different for other universities, is that it's uh, we're, it's like an intro into medicine. So it's a lot, we're gonna learn a lot about the content that we've covered on the MCAT. And for, if you don't know what the MCAT is, uh, I think we're gonna be talking about it later. So I'll flesh you in. It's just an exam you have to take before uh, you enter medical school, at least for most Canadian universities. And so the first eight weeks wasn't too bad. It was actually easier than undergrad, surprisingly. And um, we were able to get through that, but now things are picking up. Uh, we're getting more into the clinical aspect of things. Like we're learning about microbiology now. So we have to like memorize all the antibiotics, disease, like the bacteria, virus, all of that, right? So it's getting more complicated and I, I think it only will. Uh, but the biggest thing that I think makes actually med school less stressful than undergrad is that everything is pass or fail. Uh, depending on the course that you have and like none of your grades are actually going to end up showing on your transcript so when you go into residency etc your grades actually won't determine um, what residence you get into it's more of that networking uh, your experiences the shadowing you've done um, etc right so that's one of the biggest like relievers right so um, in undergrad in contrast you have to basically always be going 100% in, even for the subjects that you don't really enjoy, to get that those A pluses, whatever. Um, keep that 4.0 GPA, GPA to like maximize your chances of even getting into med school, right? But now that you're in, you don't really need to worry about that. You can just enjoy learning for the sake of it, and that's actually what's made me enjoy enjoy learning even more, right? That I'm actually doing it for the sake of it rather than um, wanting to like get 100% on that test or whatever, right? So that's the academic side of things. So there, there is a light on the other side of the tunnel, don't, don't yeah. worry. Um, in, in terms of the social aspects, like people are, are incredible, very amazing, uh, outgoing students, as you expect medical students are a type A personality. So that's, that's amazing. I have made a good friend group here. And so really just, yeah, trying to find those people who you connect with. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if there's anything else. Uh, I'm also able to spend more time taking care of myself, surprisingly. Like I've been going to the gym uh, more often, whereas in undergrad, because I was so worried about academics and like extracurriculars, I wasn't able to do more of that uh, for myself. So I've been consistently like six, five to six days a week going to the gym. I've started weightlifting. Um, I've, uh, I also play intramural sports, so I'm playing basketball and volleyball right now. Uh, we have our first playoff game uh, tomorrow. Wish us luck, everyone. And yeah.
that's that's cool um i know uh in medical school you start to do clerkship and you start to do some actual clinical work when yeah. does that start for you at u of t is that does that happen at all in first year is that second year yeah, so um, uh, at most four-year programs, uh, U of T is a four-year program. It happens when you enter third year. So finish okay. first and then third and fourth year are all clerkship. Uh, but for three-year programs, it's like midway. So I, I know U of C and McMaster are the only two-year or three-year programs in Canada. And so at those schools, you would start clerkship like about a year and a half in into med school. Right. About at that halfway point, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Half, half a point. Yeah. Okay. So earlier you mentioned, uh, you've been involved with an extensive list of initiatives, uh, nonprofits. Um, what is your, what, what kind of approach do you take when starting these initiatives or getting involved? Like, do you have, is it more like, uh, solving a problem that you see? Is it more, trying to get involved with a certain community? Like, what does that process look like for you? Yeah, so uh, after some introspection on that, actually, like, before I join any initiative, I, or join or even, like, start an initiative, I've realized that I, it's something I have a personal passion for and also tries to influence or make a positive impact on the lives of others, Right. Uh, so that's one component of it. And then in terms of when I'm trying to like join another initiative while also thinking about that, um, there's a book that's well known. And I some of so, a phrase that somebody said in that, I, I forgot what the author of the book is, but it's uh it's 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 like hell yeah or no. Like the, I think that's what the phrase is. And so with whatever comes across your way, like an opportunity and somebody asking you, like, do you want to do this? Right. Even when you ask me to do this interview, right? Like it's, it's always a, like a pros and cons, like what can you get out of it? Right. So when you ask me like, Hey, Shri, would you mind like recording this podcast? Like I, I was full on with it. Right. Because uh, mentorship and giving back to um, communities that I actually have a personal connection with, it really resonates with me. I was in the same spot as you about two or three years ago, right? And one of my philosophies is uh, make it just a bit easier for others to also reach where I'm today, right? And so for that reason, I was completely 100% on board. And even though like my, like I have back-to-back -back meetings today, I wanted to find a way to book this in because I knew it would have a positive impact on the lives of others. And I'm also very passionate about things like this, right? So this is just an example that I've given. And so with anything that I've involved myself in, I always try to ask myself just that. And it also makes it easier for you to do whatever initiative that you are going to join or starting, because if you have that personal connection and are passionate about it, you'll be able to do it without like ease, even when you're like crazy tired or have to pull a late night for it, um, you'll have that intrinsic uh, motivation for it. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think when you're involved with any kind of extracurricular, if you have a reason, if you have a purpose to why you initially started with it, it's a lot easier to drive yourself and to push yourself to kind of follow up with your duties and responsibilities with that, uh, whatever organization that might be. Um, something I did want to talk about. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just on that point again, uh, that and that's something like a lot of people might not realize until later on, right? And th that's okay. Like I, I didn't realize that until later on as well. I ended up joining things that you know might not have resonated with me as much. But as maybe I got more wiser and realized that 
you know, if I actually joined these initiatives that I was truly passionate about, I'd be able to have a, a wider impact um, on those communities. And also, I would enjoy doing them a, a lot more, right? So I'm glad that you've noticed that, Nathan. And uh, yeah, I would encourage everybody on here to do the same. And, and also for medicine as well. Like if you want to do medicine, you should, you should have a purpose behind it, right? Or else you're not going to be able to wake up every day and um, do that like for the rest of your life, right? So yeah. Mm -hmm. Like for example, my approach to uh, like my med school applications um, was just because of the philosophy I had of doing stuff I was passionate about that was also trying to uh, impact and influence the lives of others in a positive way, right? And so all of the extracurriculars, et cetera, I was a part of, it ended up still fitting the criteria that med schools were still looking for. And if you end up finding out that none of those passions, et cetera, um, that you're a part of end up meeting those criteria, then I'll ask you to reevaluate your stance on is medicine even, you know, a right fit for you? And also um, another thing I would encourage people to do is in, like push themselves into trying out new things. That's really what I did in high school. Um, mm -hmm. I was a part of like five different clubs that um, some were very much related to one another and others were not at all. Uh, majority of them were focused on maybe like fundraising, networking, um, trying to volunteer, make a positive impact on in the community. Um, but maybe like one outlier was like Model United Nations. That really was just me trying to develop my public speaking skills, learning more about um, politics in the context of the United Nations, um, student leadership, et cetera, right? And that didn't really relate with those other initiatives I was a part of, like volunteering at the hospital or whatever. And I was like one of the most shyest kids. Like I um, hated public speaking. Like I was, I, had, I was frightened by it, right? Um, and so you can think of like a, a show back in grade eight, going into grade nine, uh, like actually like shimmering when he ended up going up to stage and talking to people. And then just being a part of Model UN for that four years, I actually forced myself to be a part of it. Like grade nine, I did not want to be, but one, one of my friends forced me to join the club like he was an upper year. And I, I, I'm just like, well, like if I, I, these people can, like I asked myself, why can't I, right? So I ended up sticking in there. And then um, despite me not enjoying it at all, I found out like Model UN has different committees inside, right? And so one of the committees was the World Health Organization. And so I, I enjoyed learning about health topics, right? And so um, by finding like one of my personal interests in something that I wasn't interested at all, right? Like a, a subtopic within, I was still able to make something out of it. And um, by continuing and learning from others while observing and stuff, I, I actually ended up winning like the highest award you can get in grade 11 and grade 12 within that committee when you used to commute at the University of Alberta um, just by telling myself like, why can't I do this? And also um, fully immersing myself and learning more about it, right? So that, that's what I would encourage you to do, like try new things, even though you think you might not be interested or passionate about it. And that's that's one positive example. I've also had neg negative examples. So if something that doesn't resonate with you, just leave it. Like I've a lot of initiatives, I've just been like, sorry um, to the upper, like whoever's my supervisor, et cetera. Like, um, like I'm busy or like things have come up. I like, thank you for your time and the learning. And then I don't end up continuing with that. Right. So it's, you just have to always wait. Mm -hmm. And to go back to 
uh, just your experience with Model UN. I think there's a great saying that if you're comfortable in your current situation, it probably means you're not growing. So I think <laughs> pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and and really pushing yourself to to find that growth and to grow as a person is so critical. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would say I'm a fairly confident speaker now. Like I would never have been able to do this right now um, if you talked to me like a few years back, right? And so... Yeah, I, and this is a digression, but like public speaking, I think is one of the skills that everyone, especially if you want to develop more leadership skills, that you should definitely pick up, whether it's like forcing yourself to be in settings like those, maybe like running a meeting or giving presentation that um, you volunteer for, doing stuff like that, you'll really be able to push yourself and it'll end you. Like even for medical school interviews, like that'll serve you for that too, right? So do public speaking, like start it earlier and uh, it'll serve you good. Yeah. So you've been involved with um, a lot of organizations, nonprofits, like we've talked about, even now, like you're doing so much while in medical school, um, while maintaining those healthy habits. So how do you manage your time? How do you stay organized? I know you're somewhat, I know from speaking to like teachers at teachers at the Grand Prairie Composite High School, where we both went to, both graduated from, have talked, have said that you're a bit almost notorious for being able to stay on top of all these different things. So like, yeah. are there any resources or tips or like tips or strategies you employ to do so? Or like, what? how do you, how do you manage everything? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Nathan. And uh, some something I am asked often, maybe due to some of those habits that you talked about. Uh, I, like, uh, and I know we touched on the passion stuff. So like I do try to involve myself in activities that I'm passionate about, which makes it easier to do them and how I'm able to sustain, make it sustainable and continue doing them and not burn out. Uh, I would say that's one of the biggest components, but to like more objectively stay on top of things and stay organized that um, you can actually start doing today. Uh, Google Calendar, like I've, I've started using that ever since I was in high school. And just like blocking out, not blocking out, but um, like as soon as I find out about something I have to do, like an action item, I immediately, like it's on my phone, like it's a widget. I open up the calendar, I press like the date, today's date or whatever, and I just add it in without thought. Because like, I'm uh, if I don't add it there, I'm going to end up forgetting about it and I'm never going to end up doing it or getting to it, right? So by even if it's like, re respond to email, like, to x person like I'll, I'll open up my calendar respond to email x person it, it does i'm not going to try to make it look neat or whatever i'm just going to try to put it in there and then later when i have time i'll try to prioritize them like the all the stuff i have to do and based on the priority i'll slowly get through them and so by doing that i've been able to uh yeah re really stay on top of the things that you talked about and obviously it's get, got better um over time based on um how how i'm uh able to organize things and stuff right so that's been very helpful in in terms of like university side of things i would also recommend you write in the deadlines and every like all the project due dates uh, ahead of time like into your calendar a year ahead um that was also very helpful that made me stay on top of things in university as well i didn't miss any like assignment submissions or i was able to start working on them weeks in advance which um, help me stay on top of things even more. So I'm able to um, time block or uh, manage things efficiently. So that's, I, I think, one thing that people don't use enough. Um, so yeah, would highly encourage that. 
another thing is if something takes less than two minutes to do, do it at the moment. Um, it's something David Allen has written in his book um, called Getting Things Done. Uh, highly recommend um, you read it if you're into like productivity and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like for example, um, if I receive, receive a message and I'm able to reply to it less than two minutes, I do it right there and then. And that's something I, I have been working on over the past few years. I was very bad at replying to messages. Uh, but like one of my mentors, um, uh, his name is Dr. Todd Anderson. He's actually the dean of the Cumming School of Medicine. Uh, huge impact on my life. He was my uh, research supervisor over the past three years, and I'm still working with him right now. Uh, but like despite him being the dean, be him being so busy on the management side of things while also being a full-fledged um, cardiologist um, practicing, uh, whenever I used to email him, he used to reply to me in like less than like five, 10 minutes, which was surreal, right? Because most of the times when you think of like busy people like that, they take like days to reply or weeks and sometimes they don't even get back to you. Um, but Dr. Anderson, he's just one of the most down to earth people, um, very kind, very helpful. And yeah, he'll reply to you even in minutes, even if it's a message saying like, I'll get to it shoot, like on the weekend or later. So yeah, that's something also from like a humanistic side of things I'd recommend doing. Um, so yeah, th those two things. Sure. Do you, did you ever, do you ever struggle with prioritization when it comes to academics and stuff outside of school? Did you ever feel like you got to a point where you're like, if you're, you're looking at these two things you need to do, yeah. uh, one is academic based, one is like extracurricular based and kind of being in a bind there. How do you, how do you work through that? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I still come across those, right? Like, oh, I, I have all of like, I have a YouTube video to edit. I have a podcast to edit, but I also have tons of schooling to do, right? Uh, how do I prioritize that? Uh, easy answer to that would also be always be school. School should always be your priority. Uh, priority that, that is what you, you're in it, right? Think of your long-term goals, like what you want to do in the future. Um, for me in university, it was medicine. So I knew to get into medicine. I needed to have a high GPA. And so that used to be my main focus and then everything else second, right? But by having that balance ahead of time, uh, my goal was to make that decision less, right? So I was able to, by managing, like balancing my time, I was able to still do both of those, at least most times uh, when it wasn't like midterm season or whatever, uh, most times, right? So that's, that's what I would recommend. Make school your priority and then everything comes second after. And But now in medicine, I'm able to spend more time on the extracurricular side of things and uh, all of that because like grades, I don't need to be getting those hundreds anymore. I can study to learn as much as I need to, right? And I don't need to know that. I don't need to have everything memorized, uh, but just have an, an understanding of it is the most important part, right? So that's why now I'm able to I would say even dedicate more time towards like my extracurriculars, research, um, doing also things that I enjoy, like sports and stuff. So um, yeah, also the goals, long-term goals and like what, yeah, you, you want to do at the end of the day. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so now I'd like to come almost transition to the application side of things. Mm -hmm. Um I know that you're a Shulik Leader Scholar, so you've, you've been writing essays for that are high stakes for quite some time now. What kind of strategies do you think um, or advice would you give on essay writing in, in, in these specific contexts? And like, and then we'll, we'll get to essay writing specific to medical schools even after. 
Yeah, so my I, I've had a hidden uh, love or hate relationship with writing. Uh, high school, I absolutely despise writing. I uh, it, don't tell Mr. Chiba this, but yeah, English was definitely not my favorite subject. But over over the years, I slowly uh, learned to develop a passion for it, and so um, now I would actually say English is one of my strong suits. Where this answer wouldn't have been the same back then, right? Mm. And in terms of having one true lick and uh, applying to medicine, I, I would say those are actually very related. Once you learn how to write effective uh, applications, you're going to be able to translate that into really anything in life, whether it's job applications, uh, uh, scholarship applications, medical school applications, residency applications, um, on forth, right? And so uh, in terms of what advice I would give to others, I, I actually have, like I could make, um, entire university class on this but I, I have given workshops on this that have summarized it into like a slide and so I, I can just share some of the um, points I had on that from uh, my memory and this will apply to really any setting whether it's med school applications or um, uh, scholarship applications and so one of the first things that you should keep in mind when it comes to essay writing is to start early um, I know like some of the times I also haven't met this criteria where I've had to rush for something like a day before or two days before, but ideally you want to start early because then you're going to be able to brainstorm, come up with different ideas um, for that topic, how to answer it. Uh, everybody's minds think differently. I, I take a lot of time to write something, whereas like some of my friends, it just comes naturally to them, right? And so regardless of your background, start early. It'll just help you at the end of the day. Second of all, try to actually understand what you're applying to, whether it's a scholarship, medical school application, job application, what they're looking for in their question or their prompt. Is it more focused on you telling more of your leadership abilities? Is it more on the like volunteering, like the humanitarian side of things? Because some scholarships might be focused towards that more so. Um, medical school, they may evaluate that holistically, or they may have specific questions only related to one of those components. For example, U of T, um, they have uh, like you have to write two essays, and they have specific prompts for that that you have to answer. So make sure you're actually answering those prompts and not just like gen like generically writing about them or not even hitting on them, right? I've read many essays uh, where students have not done this, and obviously they're not going to be ranked as highly. Um, uh, in terms of like my experiences with scholarships and applications that I can briefly touch on, I've reviewed like hundreds, maybe thousands of essays over the past three, four years because I uh, started a nonprofit that mentors and helps students apply to uh, universities and scholarships. And so I, I would say I'm fairly equipped with uh, a lot of this, especially after having um, uh, won that major scholarship and entered med school. So um, this is really where uh, all of this is coming from, having reviewed those dozens of applications and seeing the success that those students have also had. Yeah, so yeah, understand what the people are looking for, um, another thing is try your best to have a unique start and end. Um, I think it's called the serial position effect in psychology or something, but um, the application reviewers, they're going to be reviewing thousands of essays, applications, and with yours being one of them, right? 
And so you really want to make sure the first, like the beginning and the end stand out because that's typically what they're going to remember. And it's like a proven effect in psychology. Like you're going to end up remembering the start and the end and the middle kind of gets jambled, right? And so by having that unique start, you're going to encourage them to uh, want to read even more to find out like, who is this person, right? So you want to make sure that it stands out from other applicants' essays and doesn't just go into the discard pile or whatever, right? And so some of the ways you can do this uh, I actually use it is using like past, present, future kind of structure for your essays. Obviously, this will vary person to person. Like everybody has a unique writing style, and I've seen many different types of unique writing styles end up getting into medical school or um, winning essays. But that's just personally helped me, like telling a story, past, present, future. Um, this this happened, right? Another thing is like using a personal philosophy or quote by starting it, and then um, like breaking that down even more um that maybe also works sometimes so yeah just really try to change it up don't don't just keep it generic sure yeah and um just yeah wrapping this up um show don't tell uh that's also one of the biggest things uh for example if you don't do this it would be like our club does good in the community like don't like that's not a good example a good mm -hmm. example would be uh actually giving the like results of like, what is that good? Like quantifying it. Our good, our club has raised $1,000 for this initiative and donated it to X charity. And we volunteered for several, like that is good, right? That's what you're showing and telling. And then last but not least, um, tell a story. Don't just listen, like list all of your achievements like you would in your essay or sorry, your CV. Um, actually show how they've had an impact on that community and try to tie them all together. Like if you're talking about multiple initiatives, like try to have an underlying motivation or reason for why you're doing all of those things that you're doing. And by doing, following all of these, like I said, I can go on and on about this, but yeah. I would say those are just the main points. Um, and if you keep in, those in mind, I'm sure you'll uh, have a lot of success. For sure. Was it, was it difficult? I don't know how many medical schools you applied to, but was it difficult writing so many application essays over the summer? How did you manage to stay sane? Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I have some funny stories about those, uh, but I would say it was actually not too, too bad because okay. I coming from having written dozens of scholarship applications, which are so very similar to med school applications. So if you're able to grind early on and, like apply to a lot of those scholarships you can reuse like that's what i ended up doing i ended up reusing a lot of what i'd written for scholarships rewording it obviously to fit more of the uh, med school stuff and um yeah but by doing that i was really able to uh, write so many of those applications by not going crazy and uh yeah I, I would encourage others to do that too okay that's good to hear because that was something i was talking about with uh with shubham actually and how how that how that was mentally straining for him but. yeah no it, it was definitely straining because also like uh you don't know what's gonna end, happen at the end of the day right like what if yeah. all of that is like they don't you don't get them getting accepted right so you have that scared like no this has to be perfect or whatever right and so um yeah just just do your best try try to get it re reviewed by as many people as possible that's another thing i forgot uh and yeah, by really following that structure, I'm sure you know, mm -hmm. you'll be okay. Yeah. So another big part of the application to medical schools is uh, your MCAT score. Well, depending on the university, of course. But for you, how did you prepare for the MCAT? Because uh, I, I believe you were doing research over the summer as well. 
leading up to it. So what's what's some what were some strategies you thought you employed that worked well and others that maybe didn't? Yeah, so MCAT, very notorious for being one of the hardest exams. Uh, I, I would say it is definitely one of the hardest exams I've written. Um, sciences and like social sciences, not so much. It was just specifically because of one of the sections on it and also why I did not enjoy English as much in high school, uh, which was the English comprehension, like cars section. If you're good at English comprehension, then you're going to ease by MCAT. Like you just need to know the content and you'll be fine. But if that is a struggle for you, then I would definitely recommend you start preparing for that specific section earlier on, even um, before second year, by just doing like sample passages from um, Jack Weston or Khan Academy, like they're two websites that have samples, uh, maybe like one or day or something. That's what I was recommended. I, I didn't end up doing it, but ideally that is what you would want to do. Uh, how I prepared for the MCAT, it was in the summer after my second year. Uh, I would encourage a lot of people to do the same, especially if they're in like a more of a science-focused background, uh, because you're going to end up learning most of the content on the MCAT in those first two years. Um, by third year, you you might forget a lot of it, like the OCHEM, BCHEM, which you generally take first and second year, and so then you'll have to relearn all of that, right? But I ended up like taking those major BCHEM, OCHEM courses in second year, leading up in that summer, and so those those sections I breezed by them. I used to get like top percentiles for them. Um, I actually used a prep service. I used Prep 101 um, for studying just because I knew my summer was going to be very busy with working full time. And so by having like a concrete schedule by some that somebody else laid out, I was just able to follow that and uh, it worked fairly well. Uh, you just have to be very disciplined and stay on top of things, especially if you are working full time um, as I was uh, or else like it's impossible. Um, the only way to do good on this test, like get a top score, is to fully dedicate your time towards studying for that, like all of summer. Like you can't do, be doing something else. And so that is why I may not have gotten like a top score. And I also wasn't aiming for um, like a top score because one of my really good mentors, he's actually a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, he told me that sometimes at the end of the day, it, it's like a, a, like a trade, I forgot what it's called something like marginal effects or something like it's a term in microeconomics where uh the the amount of time you put in something you also have to see those rewards right and so mm -hmm. no matter how, like you have to put so much time into that mcat to actually see benefits and those benefits they might not actually matter at the end of the day and that's what i ended up finding out about myself right and i i, I can touch on more of that after i explain some more of uh, how i study for mcat and so yeah i um that really streamlined it, like the prep services. And so uh, I, I got a decent score. Uh, if I were to redo this again, I would definitely come back, come back on the hours I worked or maybe dedicate like full one, two months to study for it. Uh, it but like, again, if, if you're just trying to get like an average decent score, like you don't really need to do that. Um, just keep going. I definitely could have studied more. I actually wrote it a month in advance. More pe most people write it end of August, but I wrote it, um, I think, end of July, uh, just because I wanted that month to work on apps and finish my research stuff. So um, that's what I ended up doing. But if I were to redo it again, 
cut back on hours, I would recommend using Kaplan's books. Uh, most people I've talked about who have gotten those top scores, they've used Kaplan's books. They're very comprehensive, even if you've taken those science courses. And I, I would couple that with UWorld. UWorld has a lot of practice questions, um, question banks for the MCAT that are very representative. And uh, the biggest thing is practice, 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 and do that earlier on. One of the biggest pe mistakes people make in terms uh, of reviewing is that they do content review by reading the textbooks for too long, and they do no practice until like a month before or whatever their exam. And by then, like, you're, it's not going to end up being okay because the MCAT, it's kind of a task where um, you have to learn how to also take it, right? Because those questions, they're not going to be standard um, undergrad questions. Uh, in terms of the like the question stem, the style that they ask, like it's going to be very wordy, uh, lab focused. So you have to get used to actually answering those questions beforehand. So I'd recommend that. Go through all the AMC material and also read the 300 and 100 page uh, booklets for psych psycho psychology and sociology that Khan Academy has. And really by doing all of that, I would say, um, yeah, you'll you'll get a decent score. But yeah, just time is the biggest thing. That's one of the people mm -hmm. uh, underestimate the, that it takes to study for this, this exam. Like it's it's a, a lot of stuff, a lot of content. Uh, but if you're able to just effectively manage your time and get through it, you, you'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. And lastly, uh, in regards to applying to medical schools and being accepted, there's the interviews. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, you're, uh, you've had experiences with interviews like this, I'm sure. Um, are there ways you really prepared for the interview? Um, did you know the questions beforehand? Or was it just walk in and see what see what they're going to throw at you type situation? Yeah, it's, it's important to note that the like medical school interviews, they vary actually significantly at every medical school that you're uh, going to interview at. I personally interviewed at four medical schools, uh, UOttawa, UBC, uh, Calgary, and uh, U of T, the, whole, the one I'm at right now. And out of all four schools, I found out that, yeah, the style was very, very different. Uh, UBC has, has an MMI. I think it's like 10, 12 stations. Uh, each are like 10 minutes maybe and you just cycle through them one after another, different reviewers, every cycle, different styles of questions. Some are more personal, some are more ethical, like scenario-based, some are more like health topics, answer this. So that's UBC. Calgary was also MMI, um, eight, I think, stations. And yeah, uh, very different kind of styles of questions they asked in UBC. Uh, probably shouldn't disclose the detailed information. Yeah. You're, you're, mm -hmm. you're not allowed to know the specific question or the specific uh, answers uh, for the interview questions. But you, if you ask um, people who have gone through the process, they'll generally tell you how the vibes and stuff were. Um, but yeah, you're not going to know the questions beforehand. You'll find them there and then. You'll have about like two or so minutes to review them for the MMI, which stands for Mock Mini Interview. So that's what Calgary and UBC was. Uauto uh, was a panel style interview. So those are the traditional uh, interviews that you think of, right? Like job applications. They, they have uh, two panelists or three panelists for me. 
and they just ask you questions one after another like why medicine or like like general ones like that right but um obviously i'm simplifying it uh they'll mm-hmm. go into like different like they might also ask you like more mmi style questions like scenario like what would you do in this situation right and then u of t was also it, they call it the modified personal interview and they have like four four reviewers four stations and then different styles of questions that they ask and again like two minutes to read and then like five minutes to answer and so um yeah that, that explains the interviewing process in terms of uh how i ended up approaching it uh let me think i think the biggest thing is using uh the people in your network to your advantage so if you know anybody who's gone through that process it would probably be the best to ask for their lived experiences that's what i've personally found the best so i highly encourage you to reach out to people who have interviewed at the school that you're going to be at um that's personally what i did and found it very helpful i created a like huge question back of um interview questions that I found on, in books and on websites. And so I just had that as source. And then uh, over the course of the next few months, I would end up just drawing questions from that, whether I was practicing by myself or uh, practicing with friends. Um, the biggest thing is practice, practice, practice. Um, that's really how you're go- going to end up improving in anything, regardless of whether it's sports, um, test-taking, um, by putting yourself in this in those situations and simulating that environment um, that's how you're going to be able to best learn and um, the last thing I would recommend for interviews is uh, just trying to have like those common um, experiences examples that you can draw in for for those more personal style questions that relate to the canmed rules uh, if you don't know what the canmed rules are there's some like uh, rules that the Canadian Medical Association, I think CMA has laid out. Um, it might be AMC, uh, but one of those organizations have laid out for uh, what they want doctors to be like at the end of the day or the traits they want them to possess. And so some of them include like being a leader, being a communicator, a collaborator, right? And so having those um, kinds of experiences and being able to um, relate them to your personal life, um, that, that's what I recommend. And did you, did you enjoy the traditional panel style of interview more than the MMI or either or? I, I would say so I, because I was able, I was actually able to connect with the interviewer more and I felt like that also made me do better in the interview. I was like, I was able to see them face to face and um, they weren't having like a, because like in MMIs, they're, the reader is instructed to like not have any emotion at all. And so they're just sitting there. And so you think like you're saying something wrong or um, like it's not going well, right? But it's just they're instructed to do that. And so you just have that like um, nervous feeling. Whereas in panels, like they're more like like people and you're able to interact with them. So I, I found that as a better experience. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's different person to person. Right. Uh, and also important to note that like most schools in Canada do do MMIs. So um, you're going to end up having to do an MMI at most unis. For sure. Yeah. Wow. So we've gone over a lot and you've given really <laughs> good advice. <laughs> yeah. I hope, um, hope it's helpful for people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, based, on, based on your own experiences, if you were to leave the people listening who want to pursue a career in medicine, want to be accepted in a medical school, yeah. what what general or key piece of advice would you give to them? Oh, man. Okay. Um, the, many, many pieces of advice I would like to leave people today, but I think 
the most important one that I still live my day-to-day -day life by is to enjoy the journey and not the destination, especially in a, like a, a very lengthy career um, as in medicine, where you're going to be studying for the next 10, 20 years of your life, or maybe not even 10, 20, it's your entire life you're going to be um, studying, learning, right? You, you really have to enjoy that day-to-day, -day finding, um, you know, joy, appreciation of what you're doing today, not thinking about, oh, like when I get into medical school, I'm going to be able to enjoy myself. Oh, when I become a doctor, that's when I, I'm going to end up like doing the things I enjoy. Like that's not the right way to think about it. It's uh, something like start start today, like doing things that you enjoy, like playing basketball when uh, you really enjoy that, right? Like I ended up joining intramurals. Like I'm not going to end up joining basketball when I'm like in my 50s or 60s when I'm not even going to end up being able to run, right? And so, um, yeah, by that's the biggest thing I would do and a lot of people, people like that they don't do and end up being so miserable like I've seen that lived example with whether it's friends or even family members um don't like that's the biggest thing I'd like to leave people today regardless of the career you go into uh, whether it's medicine or uh, anything else mm -hmm. a great a great something my mentor told me uh Dr. Side, Dr. Nuit Side, he was telling me if you are if you aren't complete without the MD you will not be complete with it I think that's so true. Well, that resonates. Yeah, exactly. With the, I think it's a different way of wording it, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, exactly what Dr. Nuit said. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you, if you learn to love where you're at and learn to love the process of getting better each day, like that's going to be the most fulfilling to you. So I think that's a great answer and uh, a great <laughs> I think it's a yeah, good way to leave people today. Yeah. Keep yeah. that in resonate with you. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Shub. This was a great conversation to have. I know I learned a lot. I'm sure people listening have. Uh, it's great to hear your experiences. Um, yeah, really enjoyed this one for sure. Um, it, was, it was a pleasure getting to share my experiences. Thank you for giving me a platform to do that. I, uh, always love talking about, uh, like medicine and mentorship and being able to give back. So I uh, really appreciate it, Nathan. I hope it, uh, helps people. And yeah, if, uh, any l listeners have any follow-up questions or that you get, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm always uh, available. Uh, you can reach out to me on uh, my uh, platforms like YouTube or uh, through my podcast. Always happy to help people. So thanks awesome. again, Nathan. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Shub.